You are listening to the In Context Podcast. Well, welcome to yet another edition of the In Context Podcast. Uh, today we are joined by uh, Matt Oliver, pastor of Hardwick Baptist Church, and Nathan Young, pastor of New Life Church Middlesbrough. So welcome, gents. All right. Hi, good to be, good to be on here. Brilliant. Uh, nice little piano in the background. Are you going to play as a tune later? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. So, first question, first question is, looking at you both, you're, you're quite different than me, you're both skinny pastors, and I've, I've recently written an imaginary book called Never Trust a Skinny Pasta, uh, <laughs> the, how the idolatry of part run and hummus is destroying ministries. Do you gentlemen, are of you, do the part run? Uh, yeah, I didn't. Not at the moment. <laughs> no, not at the minute. Nobody's doing pot run at the minute, but yeah, I used to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so so obviously no one can trust you still then. No. Not according to your book. <laughs> so why do you think there's so many pastors in the FIEC in particular who love the part run? You know, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think it became quite a big, well, social phenomenon, didn't it? From, from nothing, it, it, you know, somebody started it as a free organised run and then all of a sudden it exploded and it was everywhere. You know, like basically any park, any park in the country now has one in it, just about. Um, and I think it's, it, I wonder whether some of it comes from, maybe people were looking for some kind of community to get involved in and they didn't really have it, but joining with other people to go for a bit of a run for, for, for fun or for, you know, some people take it really seriously. Or it was part of that community aspect that you didn't have. Um, there might be something to do with that. I, I don't know. Maybe just everybody deciding that you get fit all of a sudden. I, I, I think it's because pastors don't like people, so they pick up uh, hobbies like running, which is isolating, and then they <laughs> get away and don't have to talk to anyone for 45 minutes. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. Does it take you 45 minutes, Matt? Not that no, no, it doesn't no. take us 45 minutes to get a park run in. Well, I stop and have a kebab on the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, class. Yeah, so look out in all all good bookstores. Uh, Jonathan Carswell is, is, is trying to uh, convince me to let him publish it, but I, I don't think so. I don't think 10 of those is, is a highbrow enough uh, publishing company to be uh, printing literature as good as mine, so <laughs> probably stay independent for a while. <laughs> but keep an eye out for my other book, uh, Gentle Reminder, uh, How to Survive Passive Aggressiveness in the Local Church. So that'll be out next. We can discuss <laughs> that next time. <laughs> Brilliant. But seriously, we've got uh, two more pastors. We had uh, Nathan on a couple of weeks ago talking about Medias Ministries, and then we had Graham and Stephen last week discussing about church planting in Yorkshire, in Leeds, and in Cleckheaton. And this week we've got uh, a posh cast, would you believe it? We've got two posh people, we've got two posh pastors, we've got a, a posh guy, Nathan Young from Cheltenham, and we've got uh, Matt Oliver, who is a posh Geordie. Isn't that right, uh, Matt? I don't think anybody from Sunderland's ever been called posh, ever. <laughs> yeah, I think I was saying to you earlier on Twitter, I think calling a Mackham a Geordie is probably the unforgivable sin, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, I thought a Mackham was basically just a Geordie who can spell and add up. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true, yeah. Somebody, somebody who uses a tray 
when they're sitting down watching telly eating the tea. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's funny, isn't it? We've got in the northeast, everyone just thinks we're all Geordies. Yeah. Uh, it's a huge region with quite a few different uh, people groups. So here in Middlesbrough, we are smog monsters, uh, named after the industry. Uh, if you've ever been to Middlesbrough, you'll have seen a big, huge black cloud above it. That's not just because everyone's miserable. Uh, that is a lot of it to do with the heavy industry. And then up in Sunderland, you were Mackhams. Yeah. So what does Mackham come from then? To do with shipbuilding. So Sunderland, at the turn of the 20th century, so uh, kind of late 1890s, early 1900s, it was the biggest shipbuilding port in the world by, by tonnage. So it produced ships you know, regularly, consistently, and they were taken all over the world. And so the idea was that we, it was the idea of Sunderland, people in Sunderland, mack them, make them, and other people tack them away. So, and that was the idea. So Mackham came from that, as far as, that, as, far as I know. Um, but yeah, to do with the shipbuilding, which there isn't anything, there's not really anything left of it now. It was a massive industry and now there's not really anything, anything left of it. So you're neither posh nor a Geordie. No, I mean, I guess I'm, I guess I'm, I'm, I am a little bit posh. I have to concede I am. Middle class, really, rather than there, uh, rather than <laughs> for various reasons. I have to, I have to concede that, but I wouldn't say I'm posh. People don't agree that they have middle class in the north of England, Matt. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're you're not from your church is in Stockton, north of the Tees. So you're not from that area. How come you ended up going from Sunderland uh, to Stockton? So I ended up going from Sunderland to Stockton via Doncaster, actually. So um, down towards, uh, well, past Graham and Steve. Um, so I was working with uh, UCCF with students in universities in the northeast for a while, uh, and then after that was, you know, I'd, I'd always, I always believed God was calling me to ministry longer term, and so I was looking for jobs, basically, a, a, an assistant pastor's job where I could get used to what it was like to be in church ministry, but also get some training at the same time. And basically there weren't any jobs like that in the Northeast. There just wasn't, there wasn't, couldn't find a single church that was offering full or part-time kind of assistant pastor's role. So I was reluctant to move away from the Northeast, being from here and knowing the need up here church-wise. Um, but then a, a job came up in, in Doncaster. So I went to work at a church well, Grace Church in Doncaster for three years. I worked part-time there, three days a week, and two days I was working in Doncaster College. Um, and then when that was coming to an end, I was then looking for, again, for a pastor's job, really. And, and in the Northeast, uh, me and my wife, Nancy, we, we wanted to go somewhere in the Northeast, somewhere that was deprived uh, in terms of the community and somewhere that really either didn't have any gospel ministry uh, happening at the minute or where there was very little and maybe the church that we were going to go into was maybe one of the only ones in that, that local area so we um looked for jobs and again um there weren't many <laughs> knocking around for starters um and so then the job at Hardwick came up I found out about it via a friend uh, and I applied for it and kind of the rest is history really I went and had an interview and we, we moved to we moved to Stockton to Hardwick so we've been there for the last Five years now, just over. So describe Hardwick, uh, Baptist Church. It's a, it was a church plant, what, 50 years ago? Yeah, so it's a church plant right when the housing estate was built. So it's on what was a council estate built in the late 50s, uh, late 1950s. And then 
I mean, it's not all council estate. It's not all council housing now. There's a mixture. Um, some of it's private landlords. Some of it's privately owned. A bunch of people bought the houses in the 80s with the right to buy. Uh, some of them are still council houses. And there's a there's a block right in the middle of the estate now that is kind of new build because they've flattened some of the older housing right in the middle of the estate and rebuilt it over the last 10 or 15 years. Um, so the church was planted there in, in uh, late 50s, um, buildings right in the middle of a street. Um, it, I, there's a few like this across the northeast, actually. And it's, it's an interesting um, interesting thing to observe. There's quite a lot of council estates built around that time where either churches were proactive and asked for plots of land to build new churches or where councils spoke to churches and said, did they want plots of land on the new housing estates? And, and so you find it across various parts of Stockton. There's one in Portrack, similar. Um, similar there's a couple in Hartlepool, the same built in the middle of housing estates. There's some in Sunderland, there's probably some in Middlesbrough, the same built round. The houses were built at the same time as the church was built, just on a plot of land. Uh, so the church is there. Um, it's been there all that time. God has faithfully uh, kept the church there for the last kind of 50, 60 years. Um, now it's the vast majority of the people in it don't live on the estate. Some of them did, but have kind of moved off, kind of, I guess, social upward mobility. Um, others are people who have just come from either other churches where things have maybe gone a bit pear-shaped in the past and they were looking for a, a Reformed Baptist church and they ended up coming to Hardwick. Um, and, and so we've kind of picked up people from all over the place. So although we are a church on an estate and, and our our primary mission really is to reach that estate, the, the most of the church members live outside of that, some quite far afield actually and travel quite a long way in. Um, um, and there are a few, myself, me and Nancy live on the estate and a couple of other people live there. But our, our I guess our biggest challenge is reaching the estate when most of the people don't, don't live there and quite a lot of them aren't from there ever originally either. You, you mentioned two challenges for, for churches in the north of England. Uh, first of all, uh, getting a pastor in the first place. Yeah. Uh, not many people are willing to move up north from down south. Yeah. Uh, and what I've found is uh, there's quite a few pastors from the north of England, but they're all serving down south. Yeah. So th th I think that's a massive challenge, isn't it? First of all, is how do we attract pastors from outside the area to come and pastor in our churches? Yeah. But also, how do we stop our pastors or our gifted men going yeah. down south to train, meeting a southern wife, and then ended up uh, yeah. staying down there? Because it's uh, probably uh, opportunities are probably easier to come by uh, down south as well, aren't they? So, what what do you think we need to do as individual churches and through Medhurst Ministries to encourage people up? Uh, Nathan, you why don't you answer this since you were a southerner who's moved up north? <laughs> The rare breed. Yeah, uh, via Scotland. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, I think part of it is that lots of people maybe just haven't considered the north of England as a, as a place where there's such a great need. Um, I think lots of people, yeah, just want to go into church ministry they don't necessarily think about where the need is greatest um or maybe um i mean listen we need churches we need pastors down south as well but um but, but there is definitely a a real need um across the north of england and and i think there's just 
I think part of it is just a lack of awareness, really, of that. Um, I think that's one thing that Madhurst Ministries can do, isn't it? Is we can kind of let people know about the need that we have here. That, like Matt said, he's got people coming to his church from all over. He's got people coming from going to Stockton from Middlesbrough because there aren't churches in between. Do you know what I mean? So there's there's just a, a lack of churches and people are having to travel. Uh, to get to a to a decent gospel preaching church, um, so yeah, the need is massive. But I think it's just it's just unknown, isn't it? Um, particularly, you know, in the in the circles that we're in, um, you know, we know FIEC pastors down south who have there's another FIEC church in you know the next village along, um, but it's it's just completely that's a, just a completely different world to the one that we live in. Do you know what I mean? But, Matt's church, we talk about it being a big church, but what do you have? A hundred people on a Sunday morning? Less than that. Not so yeah. <laughs> less than that. Yeah, less than a hundred people on a Sunday morning. To us, it's like it's if we if we go there to preach or to be there on a Sunday or whatever, we're like, whoa, this is this is massive. But do you know what I mean? There'll be people watching this from down south or in the States or whatever. You know, a hundred people is that's a tiny church. Do you know what I mean? You, you've got a church of six, seven, eight hundred people. Um, you know, but to us, a church of a hundred people is is a that's a big thing. And so it's just it's just a different churches in the north of England. It's just a different landscape, isn't it? And I think there's not any kind of awareness of that. Um, I think that awareness is growing. Um, I think through you know what we're doing with Medhurst Ministries. I think. Um, you know, it's been highlighted uh, a lot on social media and, you know, the blogosphere and so on and, in you know, in, in the FIEC and so on. I think the needs have been started to be highlighted, but I think there's still a long way to go in that respect. So so what attracted you to the north of England then, Nathan, since uh, you were in Scotland, you, you'd, you'd moved from Cheltenham to study in Aberdeen, you, you stayed there, things were going well for you. What what kind of challenges have you met moving to uh, a town like Middlesbrough for ministry, uh, and particularly moving as a as a single man? What were the pros and cons of moving to a, a small church in a small town by yourself? Uh, yeah, you, you've asked me about ten questions there, Ian. Um, which one do you want me to answer? So, yeah, well, so I, yeah, I was I was living in Aberdeen. I'd done a, a theology degree, and I wanted to go into church ministry. So. I didn't particularly have any. Um, I didn't particularly have any call to the north of England in particular. I had um, had some interest in um, in housing estate ministry just because I was aware that, that the majority of churches um, tend to be in town centres or, or more affluent parts of town. Um, I think, yeah, I was. Um, I was looking for ministry training opportunities and I heard about New Life Church. Um, I saw the, the advert that you put out, Ian, on, on the FIC website for um, for people to come and try. I wish I could, I wish I still had a copy of that advert because it was, it was so like, come here and uh, yeah, you work long hours and you'll be miserable. Um, <laughs> we can't pay you. We can't give you any money, but uh Come to Middlesbrough and you'll you'll learn a lot, and yeah, I was I was attracted to to that really, um, 
So you're a bit yeah. of a sadist, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, so, listen, there's lots of church training opportunities out there, aren't there? So, and there's there's plenty that you can find where they'll, do you know what I mean? You'll get a good salary, but it's not necessarily what I wanted to be doing. Do you know what I mean? What's the point of being given a, a manse and 25 grand a year if all you're going to be doing is stacking chairs all week and making cups of tea? Um, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but it's not what I wanted to be doing. So what I was attracted to was joining a, a really small church plant on the ground. Um, it's a small church, so you get to know everybody um, in a short period of time. You'd be involved in every aspect of ministry. It's not just, it's not like a, a large church where you just kind of, you're told, oh, you're going to be looking after the students for the next two years, or you're going to be doing the kids' ministry, and that's all you're going to be doing for the next 18 months, whatever. Um, so, so that was kind of, I think, what attracted me to, to it rather than anything else. Um, and I, I guess that's, that's what I got. Um, and then, Five years later, I'm I'm still here. So, <laughs> but you're getting paid paid now. So you're now yeah. associate pastor. Uh, right. You're now associate pastor at New Life. Uh, you are on a salary with a pension, but it wasn't like that for the first couple of years, was it? Yeah. So the the first couple of years, I was I was raising my own support, um, which was fine. So yeah, to to go back to your your previous question about. Um, yeah, just about about being single. I guess that's probably part of it is that because because I'm unmarried and I have a family, it gives me the flexibility to to be able to do that. So I could say, you know, I'm going to move to Middlesbrough and join this church for no money. Whereas, do you know what I mean? If 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 I had a wife and five children, I I wouldn't be doing that, and I wouldn't recommend that to anybody who's watching this who's in that position. Um, so yeah, it gave me the, it gave me that opportunity to, um, yeah, the, the flexibility really to, to be able to, to serve God in that way. And what, what about you, Matt? You, uh, you're married. Yeah. You've got three of the most beautiful, well-behaved children I've ever met. <laughs> uh, we, we want to adopt them. Uh, <laughs> how did... Uh, how did moving to Hardwick with uh, such a young family? What was the pros and cons of that? Then, what was uh, what are the blessings you found as a family, and what have been some of your struggles? Um, you know, it's a, it's a good question. I think. I mean, I think we knew. I say we knew what we were getting into. We knew what we were moving to. Roughly, obviously, there's things that, that happen as you get there that you're maybe not aware of or not certain of. Um, it was a challenge. It was first of all moving there was was mentally a challenge and spiritually a challenge because I think initially you you know obviously as a as a dad well as a man for, for the two of us me and Nancy we were like well we have a, a real responsibility to look after our kids to teach them and train them in the ways of the Lord and to to, to you know to protect them you know it's part of one of the, I guess one of the most important parts of parenting really and, and knowing. What we knew about moving to certain areas and certain places and, and things that might come up, you know, there was a there was in the back of your mind a thing of well, if I, if, I'm, if we move there and we send our kids to this school and they're growing up around an environment where there's a lot of um, 
but it's just whether well, lots of different issues ranging from kind of drug abuse to uh, kind of seriously uh, broken families and, and various other things that they're going to see and be involved in by be, being in that school. Do we want do we want to put our kids into that or do we need to do something else with it? And I remember wrestling with that and I remember asking Mez that question when he spoke with something at the Yorkshire Gospel Partnership while I was in Doncaster. And I said, I'm coming to the conclusion I think it's a bit selfish to, to like not go down that line just because of my kids. And he just said, Yeah, it is. That was his, <laughs> his response was, Yeah, it is. I was like, okay, well that's kind of yeah, that's fairly straightforward response, isn't it? So so we thought about it, we prayed about it, and we were like, look, well. People need the gospel. The kids need to see the gospel. The kids will see the gospel lived out. Yes, it'll be hard. Yes, they'll see things and experience things that in an ideal world, we might not want them to see and experience at a young age. But even that, at the same time, you're going, that, that's the world in general. And you can't you can't keep your kids in a bubble. And it's not, it's not always that helpful to keep them in a complete bubble either. Because at some point, they have to be able to live in the world. You know what I mean? I'm not... That's not a that's not a thing about whether you should or shouldn't homeschool or whether you should or shouldn't send them to private school or public school or, or you know just the school at the bottom of the street. At some point, your kids your kids have to interact with the world around them, don't they? They have to see what the world is like. They have to see the need of the gospel there. And so that was one of the challenges. It's also been a blessing, though. So having our kids in the local school down the street just means we've been able to meet parents and meet teachers and make connections that way and be visible every day because one of us walks from the school and back and one of them picks them up from school and back and we do that and you get conversations and relationships built up over time now we've been here five years and i would say now we've got plenty of those relationships it wasn't like that to start with so when we first came barely anybody would speak to us at the school gate just because we were new nobody knew where we were there was a level of like you have to be accepted you almost have to have the um a stamp of trust given to you by somebody else. And that did happen for us. That, that's another story, but that came about because somebody sent their kids to the church youth work and then came along to one of the services. We met them and literally the very next day on the Monday, Nancy was kind of invited into a conversation in the, in the playground that would never have really happened that way before. And from that point on, it was like, okay, well, they're all right. You know, we know who they are. We can vouch for them, really. So that's been a blessing having that. Uh, the kids have been great opportunity for that as well. Challenges. So middle daughter came home from school crying one day because um, a kid in their class, she was like, oh, mom, mom, Billy's dad's been taken to prison. She was like mortified. And it was basically because this this kid's dad had, I don't know, he, he, he got into an altercation in the house with, I think, somebody else's, somebody's grandmother, and there was a big hoo-ha about this, and, and he'd been arrested the night before, and obviously, as six-year-olds, you know, they tell you everything, don't they? So, so Karis came home mortified and, you know, trying to explain to her at six-year-olds how and why sometimes these things happen, um, and kind of to just, you know, what, how to respond to it. That's hard, isn't it? But something that we, we've had to do and adjust to. Um, yeah, I can't remember what the rest of your question was now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was just about the challenges of, of being a husband and father while uh, ministering to a council estate, especially in a council estate that you're not from. Yes. Uh, looking at the, the benefits. Because I think that is a is a huge one for for most people is, is the worry about the children, uh, yeah. especially people thinking about ministry in hard places. If they're married with children, that's a, a big question and a big worry. Yeah. And I think from what you're saying, just about the general thing about moving to the north and this idea of kind of family is, I think 
one of the biggest, if not the biggest idol in the Western church is comfort. And that's why people don't want to move because it's, it's unknown, it's different. It's not comfortable to come to the north of England. It's grim up I, north. I that's that. the, it's, it's that's grim, the yeah, impression grim, that people yeah, have. Yeah, it's grim up north. So why would you want to go up there? Mm. Um, so I think there's, there's that element of it. It's a, it's a comfort thing. Um, but I think there is another element of the idolatry of your own children mm. and, and the world revolves around your children and therefore there's a, there's a huge danger then of, well, I'm not doing it because I'm protecting my kids, but actually, and, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying there's a blanket answer of, oh, don't, doesn't matter about your kids, that's not the point, but there's, there's a danger that your kids become your idol and, and, and they take priority over Jesus and the gospel, there's a, there's a definite danger in that. And I think we have to be able to ask the question of our own hearts or allow others to ask us questions that will expose whether our hearts are really idolat, making our children our idols or whether there's just a genuinely godly reason for, for protecting your particular kids and family in that, in that way from, from maybe something that you, you worry might happen. But, but even then, it's, that's, not, that's not unique to the north of England or council estates either. Kids will come up against things that are difficult in all situations and walks of life so yeah that question's worth asking for anybody really and Nathan uh, uh, Matt was talking about how once uh, a member of the local community could vouch for him he was kind of welcomed uh, as a family with open arms into Hardwick and again a lot of people there uh, are intimidated by the thought of moving on to a housing estate but what are some of the blessings of once uh, Share a little bit about how uh, maybe you might struggle at the start, but to, to to integrate into the community. But then some of the blessings once you have integrated. Yeah, it was it was interesting hearing you say that, Matt, because you've been in Stockton just over five years. I've been in Middlesbrough just over five years, and so it's that. I guess we've seen a similar pattern in kind of taking time to integrate into the community, and I knew that was going to be difficult to do when I came to Middlesbrough, but I didn't realise like how difficult it was going to be. And so I think the first couple of years I was in Middlesbrough were quite discouraging because I wasn't necessarily expecting to see like a revival in the first three months of being here, but you expect that within, you know, you expect within the first 18 months that you'll know a couple of people um, from outside of the church. And, and I, I didn't really have that. Do you know what I mean? The only the only friendships that I had were with people from inside the church. It was really a struggle to, to get to know people from the local community, not because the local community is, is closed off because there is a real strong sense of community in the area, much more than anywhere else I've been. But because there's that strong sense of community, it means it's not open to outsiders. So or not immediately open. So lots of other places, are very kind of very transient communities and so it's you know if you live in a I don't know a large city or some somewhere a student town where you get a high turnover of people you can get to know people very quickly you know at your park run or whatever whatever us posh people go to or our hummus <laughs> dinners um, it's easy to get to know people because you get to know people and then people move away after a few years and so People are used to getting to know new people and, and that's just how life works in kind of middle-class communities. Whereas where we are, people are very settled. They've lived here for generations and, and generations. And so everybody 
already knows everybody. <laughs> like, uh, do you know what I mean? I've known all the people that I need to know since the first day of school. I don't need to meet new people. Why would I need to make friends with this new person who's come along? Um, and it's, I think it's really difficult to get into that, to understand that mindset if you're not actually here and, and, and from it. So if I meet somebody, I might say to them, are you, are you from around here? And they'll say, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm from Berwick Hills, which is literally the next estate <laughs> along. Do you know, or, you know, people will say, oh, my family, my, my family will live in Thorntree. And it's like an estate literally like five minute walk away from here. Um, but that's, that's people's mindset is that, that that's like a long way away. Living on that estate is like they've, do you know what I mean? They're from a different community. So communities here are very set. And if I go for a walk with you in the park, Ian, you'll bump into 10 people that you know. And, you know, it's like just because everybody knows everybody. And even people that you would never think would know each other. You know, they all know somebody that they went to school with. So it's great if you're from the local area and you can build on those relationships. But if you're from the outside, everyone else is having these conversations and, you know, they ask you, what school did you go to? And you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not actually from around here. Um, so, yeah, definitely those first couple of years, really tough to kind of get your foot in the door um, because people are... People's experience, I think, of middle-class folks is generally professionals. It might be teachers, it might be social workers, um, but it's generally people who are only there for a short period of time. So they'll be used to, their experience of middle-class people might be, you know, some social workers who were there for a couple of years and then moved away. And so they want to see, I think that's the main thing that people want to see from you before they invest in any kind of relationship with you is long-term commitment. And I think that's what it took. I think that's, that was kind of the turning point probably was when people start to see he's, he's been here for a couple of years. Now it's worth kind of, it's worth putting in that, um, putting in that, that relationship. Um, and when you do, I think then you start to, once you get to know a couple of people, then like once you're in that network, then you're you're in that network and you can suddenly kind of meet lots of other people. But it's it's establishing those first couple of relationships that are the tough part. But once you've got them, then it's like a, a domino effect. Um and it's much easier after that. And so that's why I think it was difficult for it was difficult for me. Um and, and I guess probably for, for you in some ways as well, Ian. Um, but it, I think once, I think that now that we've built that, it's easier for other people who are coming in. So we, when, we had, uh, when we had Luke here from America for the year, he was really frustrated after, I don't know, three months or something because he was saying, oh, I only know, I only know, you know, five or six people or whatever. And like I was trying to let him know that that was like that's a massive achievement. Yeah. What like the the stage that he was at in like three months was where I was after like three years. So like the the relationships that he was able to build with the guys from the football, with some of the families from the library, with some of the old people in in the block of flats down the road, 
those relationships he was able to build much more quickly than I was because of the foundations that we put in as a church. Um, so, yes, I've found those first couple of years difficult to, to try and get myself kind of to be a part of the community. But once you've done it, you're then kind of opening the door up so that then anyone else who's connected with the church, people will, people will give them that chance and they'll say, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll, he, he must be all right. If he knows, if he knows Nathan and Ian, we'll, we'll give him a, a chance. So I don't think it will be the same battle for other people who are coming to join us at New Life Church Middlesbrough. Um, I think that's the battle that maybe Graham and Stephen are going through in their churches because they're still in those first couple of years, aren't they, of trying to build up those relationships. But once they've got through that stage, once they once they are properly embedded in their communities, then they'll start to see they'll start to see the benefits of it. 